With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, here we go, Steelers, here we go. It's time once again for the Steelers show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me, as always, is one of the greats here on BTSC because this guy could break it down like nobody else. His name is Kevin Smith. KT, what is going on, my friend? Hey, Brian. Uh... I'm excited. You know, I, I say this every week. I'm excited. I feel like I'm excited about something every week. And uh, as we record this, it's Thursday night and we are about three and a half days away from the sort of de facto opening of, of the free agency period. And I don't know, to me, that just feels a little bit like you're, you know, you're that kid sitting by the Christmas tree, looking at those presents that have been wrapped already. And you're kind of wondering what's inside, you know, it's got that feel to it. So to me, this is a really exciting time. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. But I'll also say this, this time right now, the week beforehand, and we we saw it starting as early as Monday, it's really interesting what's going on because it, it's kind of like before Christmas and you're waiting, but you know, you go to that Christmas party as a kid, that school Christmas party, and you take your teacher a gift. And you get some gifts, your friends give you gifts and you get those gifts before Christmas and you open because they're Christmas parties and the lead up to everything. And that's kind of what's happening this week because my gosh, the Aaron Rodgers stuff happened and then dominoes fall because of that, because Aaron Rodgers stays put in Green Bay. And then now you have the fact that, wow, Jordan Love might be available. Now Denver needs to go have a different plan because they're banking on they're banking on Green Bay. And now Green Bay made their decision. So they make their decision and they no longer need a quarterback because they trade with Seattle. But now Seattle at number nine might be players for Malik Willis. So no matter who's in those spots with these trades, somebody's going to need something. The Washington Commanders. You know, they don't need a quarterback now because they think they've got their guy in Carson Wentz. So the Indianapolis Colts need one. If the Minnesota Vikings trade Kirk Cousins, which could happen. If the Las Vegas Raiders make a trade, which could happen with Derek Carr, I doubt it, but it could happen. Then those teams need quarterbacks. So it's always going to be for the Steelers. It's going to be about three or four teams ahead of them needing quarterbacks but we know what's going to happen mock drafts are going to continue to change because who brings in mitch trubisky who brings in a couple Jameis winston all of a sudden they don't need quarterbacks so it's going to be interesting what happens and you're going to know a lot of what the steelers want to do based on what happens in the next week so it's going to be great Next Thursday is going to be St. Patrick's Day. So either you are going to be face down in green vomit or you're going to be face down in free agent information and you're going to have to have your face stuck to BTSC because that's the one-stop shop for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. You are going to want to check out those shows every single day. You're going to want to check out for breaking news on BTSC on the podcast side as well, because those stories are going to be out on the editorial side. And then we're going to have podcasts to back them up with breaking news. Oh my gosh. It is another most wonderful time of the year. My friend, Kevin, you said it best. So yeah, you're talking about quarterbacks and I'll just give you two quick thoughts of mine. One, 
I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for those who are, who might be listening, uh, who have developed a, a draft crush on Malik Willis. I, I just don't think with all the, with some of the movement that's occurred and some of the needs that appear glaring, I just can't, I can't foresee a scenario where he makes it to number 20, uh, given how well he performed at the combine and how some of the teams that you just mentioned are now, I mean, if you look at Indianapolis, who knows, maybe they do make a move for Kirk Cousins. Uh, but right now they've got Sam Erlinger and a guy named James Morgan, who I have no idea who that is as, as their, as their quarterbacks uh, that, you know, they obviously are not going into the, to see the season. They're not, they're not getting through free agency in the draft uh, with those two guys. They're going to make a move for sure. Um, and then, you know, again, some of the other teams that you mentioned. So, so it just seems very unlikely that Willis will last number 20. Uh, and then the second thing is, I just think, again, with the way that these pieces are moving around, and I, I don't feel like the Steelers are going to trade for a quarterback. Uh, so I think it appears increasingly likely that Mason Rudolph will be the starter next year. Um, it doesn't mean we won't bring somebody in. Uh, it just means that I, I don't think the Steelers are making a splash move at the quarterback position. I think that they feel rather content to maybe bring in a mid-level veteran to compete with Rudolph but to give Rudolph every opportunity to win that starting job, to see what he can do with the year, bolster the team elsewhere and, and maybe make a permanent decision or, or a more permanent decision after the season on, at the quarterback position. I think Mitch Trubisky could be the only guy that could be a franchise quarterback and you don't really have to worry about anybody else in the draft. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that, but there's a lot I can say to back Mitch up with the fact that that's a crappy Chicago Bears team. He is a pro bowler. He had a great winning percentage there. He's mobile. And we saw what happened with Ryan Tannehill. Maybe he could be another Ryan Tannehill and succeed in another place. And if you look back to your very own Pittsburgh Steelers, they draft Terry Bradshaw number one overall. And if Terry Bradshaw was in this era, he would be Mitch Trubisky. He'd be on another team. Yeah, no doubt about that. My only concern with Trubisky is that I wonder if as the demand gets greater, uh, will, will his price tag get driven up higher than the Steelers want to go? You can't bring in Trubisky at a 10 to $12 million uh, a year deal and have him compete with Rudolph and maybe Rudolph wins the job. And now Rudolph is making $4 million a year as your starter and Trubisky's making 12 as your backup. I mean, I think that that's a scenario that the Steelers will run, want to avoid. I mean, last week I talked about you and I've been playing this game where, all right, who's our, who's our starting quarterback for the Steelers this week. And, and you know, last week, my, my choice was Marcus Mariota, who's probably going to come in around the $4 million a year range, four to five or so, which is comparable to Rudolph. So they don't really have a contract dilemma, no matter who wins the starting job, which isn't to say that like that would exclude them from pursuing Trubisky. I just think Trubisky's price tag uh, is going to go up and that may complicate things for the Steelers. I think Mitch is going to pop in about 10 million and maybe not that much more. Uh, I don't think more than that. I think that's going to be the going rate, but you've got to look at something here. You know, Jimmy G's on the move somewhere, even with the surgery. Uh, you also know that Jameis is going to end up somewhere. You have the fact that the giants really, everyone said, Oh, he's got Trubisky's going to the giants. They don't have the cap space. In fact, they've got, $13,000 in cap space right now, 13 grand. <laughs> so unless they make a move, make a big cut with a guy like, and you're going to see them cut some guys, but unless, and they still have Daniel Jones there. So if something happens, some kind of miracle for the giants that they find a way to get Trubisky, then Daniel Jones is now on the market again. And he might be a, sim a similar guy to Mitch Trubisky in talent-wise. And then you're talking about where's Daniel Jones going. You know, so it, it's going to be really interesting how this whole thing shakes out. But you mentioned the whole Malik Willis thing, and I agree with you 100%. But there's a possibility 
with the teams that need quarterbacks, when you're picking one up in free agency, you're not taking one away from another team that needs one. So you don't have to fill in as far as quarterbacks go. Say, say uh, Jameis ends up going back to the Saints. All of a sudden, they're probably not going number one on a guy. They might be looking for a Desmond Ritter or a Sam Howe in the second round, or they, they might, and the Steelers might very well do something like that too. So there's going to be Seattle. You probably expect them to, to go ahead and take Malik Willis, but then there's been whispers about Deshaun Watson and Friday might be very interesting in Deshaun Watson news. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that could be, if something happens with that hearing that all of a sudden he could be on an NFL team real soon, then you've got the Houston Texans needing a quarterback and then they could be in the Malik Willis uh, sweepstakes there. So I don't expect Malik Willis. Uh, the, the only way I really expect is if the Steelers move up to number eight to get Malik, but then there goes the draft capital. Yeah. And, and so you, you lose by doing that too. And we've seen what happens, but I will tell you this, a lot of people are, uh, are picking on, I want to say picking on Devin Bush. Well, should have never traded up for, for that guy, but who was really, who else was really in that draft defensively in the first round that they were really going to go for. It was like Rocky scene for uh, Indianapolis that they were, that was, they were talking heavily about him. They were talking about a guy like Noah Fant who just got traded away. And that's the guy that Denver picked up with that pick. So you don't know. It's like the old show. Let's make a deal. You don't know who's behind door number two with that draft pick. So no. And, 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 I, and that's why when we consider the quarterbacks, I'm, I'm very happy that Kevin Colbert is sticking around for this draft because, you know, this is with, with all this fluidity and, and guys, moving and the situation really sort of changing every day and the Steelers with an obvious need. I mean, we all know they're going to do something. We just don't know really what, if it's going to be free agency or the draft, just to have a guy with like Colbert, who's been there for so long, who, who has a philosophy that he believes in, who probably is willing to deviate from it for, to a degree, but for the most part, uh, you know, has a fairly good idea what, what he wants to do. Uh, that's really valuable right now. I wouldn't want the Steelers to be in a situation where he had announced that he was leaving back in January and, that, and then they sort of conducted interviews and filled the position in February. And now that new GM has to sort of figure out everything that they need to do, orienting themselves to the Steelers, the cap situation, the personnel, et cetera, et cetera, and then try to manage this very, very fluid quarterback situation. I mean, that would be an awful lot for a new GM. Um, I'm, I'm just thankful that they've got the stability uh, of a proven guy like Kevin Colbert to, to be able to kind of steer them through this. And as he has already said, try to land, if not the franchise guy, then, then really sort of solidify the Steelers quarterback situation before he, he heads out. And you know what? He's not, leaving the organization altogether most likely he said this doesn't mean i'm retiring there's probably going to be a different role in this organization for him as he retires and even if he was leaving altogether kevin colbert's not a guy to lame duck it i had a job 20 some years ago where i was in sales but the manager i announced that i was leaving and the manager just i he just left and I think there was, I don't know whether there was some problems um, beforehand with management, but if my, my, my leaving hastened that, but what happened was there was nobody to do the job. And one of our biggest, this was for a newspaper and one of our biggest supplements of the year, the biggest moneymaker was coming up and no one was there to lead it. So I took the reins and I did everything. Um, I was leaving right after the deadline for this. So I knew I could do it and I stayed longer. I did everything. I, 
I didn't lame duck it because I just knew somebody had to do the job. And so I would step up to do it, even though I was leaving for greener pastures. And on the last day, the, uh, the president of the uh, newspaper came up to me and said, if you ever, if you want the job right now, it's yours. If you want to be the, uh, the sales manager, it's yours. But if you ever want to come back, you just give me a call because what you did in the last couple of weeks since you announced you were leaving, I've never seen anybody do that. So I could actually see Kevin Colbert not lame ducking this at all and wanting his last draft to be the best and put this guy in just great. I mean, excuse me, put this team in absolute great position and put the next general manager in a great situation as well, Kevin. Yeah. I mean, he's a professional. He's got self-respect. He's got a, a reputation that he doesn't want to tarnish. Uh, he obviously loves the franchise. So, I mean, I expect all those same things as well. I think, I think that this is going to be a big off season for him. I mean, my goodness, he's, he's playing with money that he's never had an opportunity to play with before, you know? So I think that he feels like he has a chance to put a, put a really, uh, profound final stamp uh on the program on on the organization with uh, with what he does this offseason and i fully expect him to be as prepared as he's ever been absolutely and the steelers yes they are going to need a quarterback but that quarterback is going to need somebody to throw to and when we come back after break we are going to talk about the cupboard that is the steelers wide receiver room and how bare that actually is right now or how possibly robust it's going to be. We will be back right after this with Kevin Smith. I'm Brian Anthony Davis on Here We Go, the Steelers show, off-season edition. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. I'm Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith, KT Smith, coach is with me. Coach, we talked about the quarterbacks. They've got to throw to somebody. What are you thinking right now? And as somebody that builds a team with so many people possibly leaving, you know, you've got to think that this is a complete rebuild as far as a wide receiver room. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, there's two two ways of, of looking at that uh, in terms of well, first in terms of, of the personnel who are leaving, which we pretty know pretty much know that Juju Smith Schuster and James Washington and Ray Ray, Ray McLeod are gone. Uh, I'd be surprised if the Steelers bring any of them back, and and obviously they need to replace those guys. The most pressing need in that uh, you know in terms of the guys who are leaving is a slot receiver because we all know how good Juju Smith Schuster is out of the slot and. Ray Ray McLeod did a, did a decent job this past year replacing him in the slot. I mean, he, he had lots of limitations, but I think that the Steelers were able to kind of get a decent amount of production out of him in the role in which they used him. So they obviously have to have to replace uh, at least, you know, uh, they, they need to find a key slot guy and, you know, at least one more impact receiver on the outside. Um, but before we talk about some of the personnel, let's talk about the two guys who, who are, are staying. Uh, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Those are two guys who have shown an awful lot of potential in their first few years in the league, but at the same time have really, it feels like have underachieved. I mean, Johnson's put up really good numbers and Claypool's numbers were this past year in his second year are fairly comparable to his rookie numbers with the, the big exception of his touchdown production, which fell from nine touchdowns as a rookie to just two this past season. But there was a lot of issues that affected the passing game that we've touched on before, the offensive line, the quarterback play, the scheme, et cetera. The big thing where, where those two – the big area where those two guys need to grow is in their approach to the game and their professionalism. And that's really where the hiring of Frisman Jackson as the new receivers coach is going to be pivotal. Can Frisman Jackson get Claypool and Johnson to uh, be more focused, be more diligent, 
and be more professional. I mean, uh, we all know Claypool drew a lot of attention this past year for some off the field antics and some, some silly lapses in judgment while on the field. Those types of things actually drew more attention than did his actual, his production. That's got to change. I mean, he's got to be a guy who puts the fact that he's six foot four, 235 pounds and ran a four, three, seven at the combine, uh, he, to put those those skills to use. And Deontay Johnson, I mean, to me, the mo- everybody talks about the drops, but to me, the most damning statistic when we look at his 2021 season is he led the NFL in pre-snap penalties at the receiver position. He had seven false starts at receiver. And, you know, I just know, you know, like as a coach, again, we tell our high school kids, don't even worry about the snap count. You're, you're at wide receiver, just watch the ball. You know, like, you know, when you can look inside, you know, when the ball's being snapped, they're too far out to really hear the snap count anyway. I mean, Deontay Johnson's lined up 15, 18 yards from the, from the quarterback in a stadium where there's 70,000 people screaming. He shouldn't be listening to the snap count. He, he should be looking at the ball. It's a focus issue. And so it's a, it, those two issues, you know, Claypool's lapses in judgment and Johnson's lack of focus are things that will help them evolve as professionals. We know that they're talented enough to be good receivers, but they need a position coach to come in and get them uber-focused on the details. And hopefully Jackson will be that guy. That would be amazing if they can. You know, I really think that these guys can be very good. And we know that, but it's those lapses. Because everybody, you're right, everybody wants to talk about the drops. I don't think the drops are as egregious as as like you said the uh being off sides and false starts you know that's that's a big thing he is probably getting the opportunity to be come in as wide receiver one this year and that should motivate a guy like chase claypole as well it reminds me of 2001 when you had a guy like Heinz Ward, where they were not ready to anoint him whatsoever. In fact, they tried to replace him two years in a row. He was drafted in the, the, the second pick of the third round in 1998. They go Troy Edwards at a Louisiana Tech in the first round of 1999, which was a bust. And they brought in a guy like Plexico, who had some, uh, in the first round, eighth overall pick, in 2000 to replace this guy as well. And they didn't realize the gold that they had in a player like Heinz Ward. This is, this kind of reminds me of that situation a little bit. I, I think that he could do well as being the man, but when you look at the 2001 and the 2002 seasons, they had comparable numbers and they were both over a thousand yards. They were very close. In fact, I think they were like nine yards apart they were very close in number of receptions. You had a big guy. Plexico was a big guy. Claypool's a big guy. Plexico had some focus issues as far as, uh, I mean, he did the same egregious type of thing as a rookie that Chase Claypool did in the second year last year. We talked about the Minnesota game when he did the first down dance and point. Well, do you remember what, plexico did in week five of the two of his rookie year yeah he spiked a live ball yeah you know after after he after he went down after a catch and popped up and i guess he still thought it was college rules you know nobody had touched him and he kind of spiked the ball and it was live (laughs) absolutely and that's and that was uh you had to reel this guy in is basically what you needed to do and and they did and they found a way to reel him in and after that, he did well with this team. Yeah. Was was he the greatest receiver in, in team history? No, but he was very solid for them, and that was a very good tandem. So this could be a very good tandem of Johnson and Claypool if they are coached right and if they focus. And like you said, the man to do that is Frisman Jackson. Yeah, I think you know most coaches, I, I believe, will tell you that they can live with physical mistakes. Obviously, if you make too many physical mistakes, then you got to find somebody who can do it better. But but nobody's trying to make physical mistakes. Physical mistakes occur. So And so, you know, you're going to drop a pass. Uh, you're going to miss a block. You're going to miss a tackle. 
and you and you hope to to work on developing the fundamentals that will reduce those things. But the mental mistakes are absolute killers because that hints at preparation and that hints at hints at discipline and focus, and those are bare minimums. Those are things that your players have to be able to do well simply because the physical part of the game is so demanding. You know, I mean, if you if the if you're good enough to handle the physical part of the game, uh, that's the really hard part. And, you know, the mental part of the game should just be that should be the prerequisite stuff. That should be the stuff that you that you master because it's your craft. And the nice the thing that encourages me about about uh, Frisman Jackson is when I look at what he did in Carolina, I see a group of receivers he worked with that weren't phenomenally talented. Uh, DJ Moore was, you know, he was he was a high draft pick uh, and a good and a good football player, no doubt about it but he's not a freak athletically. I mean, he's not Chase Claypool. He's 6'1", 195 pounds, and he runs about a 4'5", you know, high, high 4'5", 40. Um, but, you know, Jackson helped turn him into a Pro Bowl receiver. I mean, 2,300 yards receiving the last two seasons, catching passes from bad quarterbacks, Sam Darnold, you know, over the hill, Cam Newton, uh, P.J. Walker. You know, just, I mean, we're not talking about elite quarterbacks. But, but more than that, more than the numbers, when you look at film of DJ Moore, you see a dude who runs great routes, who runs, who does everything 100%, who blocks his butt off. And then you look at the complementary pieces, guys like Robbie Anderson, uh, Curtis Samuel. Those guys evolved uh, from their time with Jackson. So, so my takeaway from Jackson in Carolina is he makes guys better. And, and, he all, and they were all tough. They all blocked. They all ran their routes, you know, whether they're expecting to get the football or not. Um, and, and those are the professional uh, attributes that Johnson and Claypool have to develop. And so, you know, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I, I feel optimistic that Jackson's the right guy to get them there. Well, that would be incredible. Now, you mentioned earlier the, the three guys that are possibly gone. Juju Smith-Schuster, Ray Ray McLeod, and James Washington. If I were to bring up each one of them one by one, who do you think is the most likely to stay? And who's most likely, who is your number one guy that is going to depart if you had a, if you had a crystal ball here? Let's start with Juju. Well, I think the Steelers should make every, every effort they can to keep him. I don't know what his market's going to be. I know last year he thought it would be you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 10 million, you know, and, and he didn't get that. And that's you know, largely why he came back to the Steelers. It seems like he's got some suitors. Uh, you know, I, again, I live in South Jersey and, and we get a lot of Philadelphia area news. The Eagles love him. There's an awful lot of talk around here of, uh, of Juju going to the Eagles. You know, I know that he's had some flirtation with the Kansas city chiefs. It just feels like he will have, a better market this year with, with, you know, the more cap space and, and us not being restricted by the COVID stuff like last off season. So I don't know. It feels like he's likely to leave simply because he might be too rich for us. But if I were the Steelers boy, you know, he's just, he, I think he's a tremendous slot receiver and he's a professional receiver. All those things that we just talked about that are flaws and weaknesses in Claypool and Johnson are strengths in Juju Smith-Schuster uh, I know some Steelers fans kind of get on him because of his social media activity and some of the goofy dances and things like that. Uh, but when you but when you watch him on the field, he does all those things. He's he's more of a Heinz Ward type than he is a uh, you know an Odell Beckham type. So so I would really try hard to resign him. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't believe so either. But stranger things have happened in the market, and there are a lot of question marks with him right now. But I agree with you. I don't think there's really any question marks with this man on the field. The two fumbles that he had that, you know, he had labeled a fumbler because he fumbled twice in big situations. And I think those are the only times that he's really fumbled in his career in Pittsburgh. But one was the New Orleans game and one was the uh, Duck Hodges coming in to try to save the day and overtime against the Baltimore Ravens back in 2019. They were just big spots where they were fumbling, but he was trying to do so much more. And uh, he was exposed in those two situations. Juju, I think 
is a guy that they would do well to bring back. But I think last year's kind of an aberration. I don't think that that happens again, even though with him being injured most of the season, we saw Allen Robinson a few years ago get $15 million and playing one 15 minutes of week one with Jacksonville and being out the rest of the year. And he still made that money in free agency. So teams know who he is. And if they're banking on him being healthy and the fact that he came back for that one game, especially chiefs got a good look at. So I don't think that's going to uh, hurt the market for a guy like Juju. In fact, that was probably a very shrewd move for Juju as well for his future. I just don't, expect him staying with a black and gold i would love to see it though james washington's another guy here i don't know if i see sticking around what are your thoughts on grandpa strong isn't it hard to know what happened with james washington in pittsburgh it's just so hard to, to answer that question you just you thought maybe all right he'd have that connection with mason rudolph because they were college teammates and they put up great numbers together and then rudolph got that that year in 2019 where, where he was the starter and, and it, they, it just never happened for him. And he never seemed to be able to be on the same page with Ben Roethlisberger for whatever reason that was. Uh, it just felt like there was an awful lot of times where, where Roethlisberger would go to the sideline and he'd be gesturing at, at Washington, which seeming to indicate that maybe Washington didn't make a sudden adjustment or, or maybe ran a, a, the wrong route. Or, so I don't know. Was it a mental issue? I mean, James Washington made some highlight real plays in his, in his four years in Pittsburgh. He made some really tough contested catches. He was great in those one-on-one situations at going up and, you know, winning those, those tough balls, because like you just said, man, he was super strong. Everybody will always remember the, the, the infamous straight arm, uh, you know, uh, against uh, the Bengals. And, uh, you know, that was, we all talk about Vance McDonald's uh, straight arm, but I mean, James Washington's was just as impressive. But he never seemed to master the ordinary things. He never seemed to be a good route runner. He struggled to separate. Uh, and like I said, he always seemed to be on the wrong side of Roethlisberger for some reason. Yeah, I believe so too. So with that being said, do you think that maybe with Ben being gone that he might actually have a better chance to re-sign in Pittsburgh? Or is it just something where uh, other teams are going to notice the value that he brings as a third receiver? I just haven't. And correct me if, if, if you've heard differently, but I, I just haven't heard any indication from anyone, team, media, wherever, that he's coming back. I don't know no, how I, you. I haven't either. Yeah. It just seems like that, you know, that ship is, has set sail. So Ray Ray McLeod kind of made news today when two teams, one being the San Francisco 49ers, are already expressing interest in the services of Ray Ray in free agency. And that might be a situation where they give him more money than the Steelers want to put on him. But losing a guy like Ray Ray could do could damage this team because then you are left really with two guys. And then the possibility of Anthony Miller, who we didn't see at all last year and Cody white. Yeah. Uh, if some, t- if some, some team offers Ray Ray more than the Steelers are comfortable with. I'd let him go because I do think the Steelers will try to address the slot position in free agency. I don't think they'll, I, I think they're more likely to address it in free agency than in the draft simply because they need a plug and play slot receiver. And there's some pretty good ones in free agency. I'll just throw out a couple of names real quick. Jamson Crowder of uh, the jets is a, a polished pro slot receiver a guy who who does all the, those little things well. I mean, we talk about those those just intangibles, the the route running, the site adjustments. Um, I mean, he's a guy that just has been in the league long enough to to know how to play inside. It's tricky playing in the slot. Is tricky. It's a, it's it's very different from the outside. You have to read coverages more. You have to make more site adjustments. You have to be more physical. You're going to attract the attention of strong safeties and linebackers uh, who are going to bang you around and. There's an awful lot of clutter to navigate, and uh, and he does it well. But the guy I love, man, the guy who I – I mean, if you if you said to me, you know, give me one free agent target at wide receiver for the Steelers, that's realistic. 
you know, that's not going to command some ridiculous salary. Like Amari Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we're not going to pay top shelf, top dollar, I I think for a receiver with some of the other needs, but that guy's Byron Pringle of the, of the chiefs. I mean, he's, he's a good sized dude. He's, he's DJ Moore size. He's like six, one, one ninety five. You know, he took about 70% of his, his snaps this past year in Kansas city in the slot. We saw him hurt the Steelers, uh, in their, in their week 16 game, he had six catches and two touchdowns against the Steelers. And, and he's another guy, big physical and played in a system where the slot receiver is extremely valuable. And I think he could be a great upgrade uh, for the Steelers if they were to pursue him. I like that. Uh, hey, with Pringle, you just can't stop at one. Remember that. <laughs> um, so let me, let me say this. I was asked this last evening on the Steelers preview would Jeff Hartman and Dave Schofield. And the question I was asked was simple. What receiver do you want them to bring in? And I said, you know, I can't give you a name right now, but I can give you a type. And you mentioned Jamison Crowder, who was with the Jets. Let me give you another former Jet. He's not playing now, but a guy named with initials JC. I want a Jericho Cotri type. Mm -hmm. I want a guy like that that isn't on the top of anybody's list. And I don't think Jamison is either. And a guy that could come in and play that position. And I believe he had eight to 10 touchdowns uh, one year in Pittsburgh. And he did very well here in that little bit of a stretch that he was in black and gold. And I, like you said, you don't need to spend a lot of money on this position. You need to just bring in the right veteran and maybe Crowder or Pringle could be that guy. That would be awesome. Don't get your heart set on Amari Cooper. They're not going to spend Amari Cooper money. Amari Cooper got cut, let go for a reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, yeah, he's not a slot guy. I mean, the Steelers have two yeah. starting outside receivers. They're certainly not bringing Amari Cooper in to make him a number three or to try to convert him to a slot at this point in his career. Why drink Coca-Cola when you can get Sam's Club brand that's pretty darn good? Hey man, uh, when I was a kid, we we just got the cans that said cola on them. Yeah, you know, like it didn't it didn't have anything other. They were they were like the, they were like the props you see on the uh, in like TV shows. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and they were good, and you were glad. They were good. Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it worked. It quenched that Kevin Smith thirst. Just <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So there, there's a few. I mean, I don't do any different ketchup than Heinz and has nothing to do with the Steelers. I did has I'm a ketchup snob and I want my, I want Heinz, you know, there's, there's a few things that uh, there's a couple brands that I won't, I won't go off brand, but most of the time I will. And I'm really happy about it. Uh, Adidas. That's my one loyalty to Adidas, but that's oh, probably really? because well, that's Red- probably because I've got like these, like thick feet and the Adidas sneakers fits them. And I'm sure that's not something anybody listening right now wants to hear. So uh, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll move on from that. subject. And you had the obsession back in 1986 with run DMC. I did like run DMC. I did. Yeah. You know, they were- and you know, DMC Daryl McDaniels, huge Steelers fan. Huge. That's absolutely correct. So yep. there you go. All right, Kevin. I've really, we talked about, uh, we talked about free agent possibilities. You know, do you look at a possible wide receiver coming in in the first four rounds? Yeah, I mean, the Steelers, that's what they do. You know, I mean, seven out of the last nine years in the draft, they've taken a receiver in the second or the third round. And I have no doubt that they'll do it again this year. Um, and I know that, you know, that the, I haven't really dug into the draft just yet as much as some of the other guys around btsc have i mean i've just really been spending a lot of time breaking down the past last season and sort of thinking about free agency and i'll i'll kind of get get going on the draft soon i know i know that that uh uh sky moore's has attracted a lot of attention around here and people seem to 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 like his name but I, i couldn't really give give names just yet as to who i think the steelers might target but it sure seems like they'll look for a guy early uh, which is you know again something that they that they do and they've had fairly good success with it my suspicion is that they'll look for an outside guy like a number three receiver because 
you know, I mean, there, there'll, there'll be questions about whether or not Johnson gets a second contract. And if Johnson gets a second contract, it seems maybe unlikely that, that Claypool would also get one considering the Steelers don't give those out to receivers very often. So you may see them in the second or third round, look for an outside guy with some speed. I mean, they certainly could use a dude who could, you know, take the top off the coverage, a, a straight line speedster who might be able to play out wide. Um, and then that guy would compete, as, you know, with a guy like, uh, you know, Anthony Miller to be the number three or, or Cody White. Um, but I'm fairly confident they'll go that route. Sounds really good. We might even be talking. We might have answers next week at this time. This show runs on Fridays at noon. Well, man, when we record it, we are going to be right in the middle of free agency. The official start being next Thursday. So we will be partying and hopefully the Steelers will have the luck of the Irish in free agency. And we might have an answer to this wide receiver conundrum, maybe a start of an answer. I think they're Brian, going. Let me ask you this real quick. Yes. Since given what you just mentioned, what do you Give me a percentage. All right. You know, zero to a hundred. What percentage would you put? That this week, uh, this time next week, we are talking about Bobby Wagner as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to see 55. Uh, actually, let, let me amend that. Let me go as Jersey number 54%. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's, it's better I, than half. Yeah, I think it's, I, I'm probably right around with you. I mean, I, I think it, it makes so much sense on so many levels. Uh, it just depends on, you know, I think if there's a bidding war and, and how much, how high the Steelers want to go. I don't think, you know, there's one thing you've got to realize. And what I'm saying, all of us need to realize that when you're a salary cap casualty, you don't normally, there's really not a bidding war for your services because a team had to drop you because you made way too much. And that player is probably going to have to come to grips with, they might have to get a little less. They might have to take less. And I think they understand that. And a veteran like Wagner understands that he's going to get less money, but I could see it. I could really see it happening. A lot of people have already said, Oh, they're not going to be able to afford Wagner, but here's the interesting thing about it. If you're bringing in Wagner, and this is something we talked about on the preview, you're saying goodbye to Joe Schobert. And that's six and a half million dollars. So with that being said, that's going to, you're not going to be paying that much more to bring in a guy like Bobby Wagner. Yeah. And if, and if the trade-off is Bobby Wagner and a couple more million, uh, you know, for, for Joe Schobert or in, to replace Joe Schobert, then that that's a no brainer for the Steelers. Absolutely. So I think it's, I'm going to say better than half. What's your percentage, Kevin? I think uh, I agree with you. I, I I read an article today that said that you know all those NFC West teams that are rivals with the Seahawks uh, are interested and would love to you know sort of steal. I mean, it's not really a steal since Seattle released them, but you know add them to their roster to to go compete against Seattle. And um, so I think I think there'll be certainly be some competition for his services. But boy, I mean, if I were the Steelers, that that's another guy that I would just zero in on and say like, man, he. It's just his veteran leadership and what more importantly, what he can do for Devin Bush's development, uh, I think would be huge just to give Devin Bush that veteran uh, to play alongside who can accentuate, you know, some of Bush's strengths already, you know, by uh, pairing them with his strengths. I just think it would be a great pairing for the Steelers. We all knew that there was a possibility that Aaron Rodgers could be traded. He wasn't. We knew there was a possibility that, Russell Wilson could be traded, even though Seattle denied it, denied it, denied it, and they traded him. Nobody knew that Khalil Mack was going to be traded, where he went to the Los Angeles Chargers, and he's no longer a Chicago Bear. So there's going to be some more surprises in the next few days. Like we talked about that, those Christmas parties where you exchange gifts. There's going to be a lot of gifts and news coming out on uh, – more available guys that we didn't even think about today. Yeah. I mean, with the, the cap space, the teams have because of the increase in the salary cap. And again, the COVID, the COVID restrictions kind of all, you know, being behind us and teams just having more money and it, it's just going to make it really kind of a wild West of a free agency period. 
It is going to be really interesting. I cannot wait. And I want to touch on something you just said about the uh, NFC West teams. Man, we could predict all we want where somebody's going to go. And we talked about this earlier. Everybody's predicting the Giants for Mitch Trubisky. They don't have the money. It's not there now. They can cut a guy like Saquon. They could, I mean, or they could try to trade him. They could try to cut Daniel Jones if they want to bring in Trubisky. They can do so many things they could do to bring him in, but they might not be in a position, but it fits. And his old coach, Brian Dable, who he was with last year, is now in New York. But just because it seems like it fits doesn't mean he's going there because another team that wants him might jump in and say, I'll give you this. And he's like, yeah, I'm going there. Yeah. yeah. I started to write this article for the site on kind of like, here's all the moves that I would make, you know, in, in order to kind of fix the Steelers and, and bring in this guy, that guy, plug this person here, draft this guy, cut that guy, blah, 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 all these moves. And I got like a thousand words into it. And I just scrapped it all because it, it, you know, it dawned on me that so much of this is contingent upon things that nobody has any idea what's going to happen. And, and it just seemed like a, like a, just a wasted intellectual exercise because <laughs> we, we, you know, we can all do that in our heads, but we don't know. And we don't, you know, we don't have the information. We're not privy to the, to what's really going on. And like you just said, one move changes so much. Russell Wilson going to the Broncos creates a need for Seattle uh, and 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 the domino effect there down the line on other teams is so significant that, you know what, man, it's just <laughs> let's just sit back and enjoy it, you know. And when the Steelers make their moves, let's celebrate them and write about them and talk about them and get excited about them. And you know, I'm not trying to figure this stuff out ahead of time because who knows? Yeah, and and I am not attacking the credibility of anybody out there, like the Aditi Kinkabwalas and the Ian Rappaports and any of these these. Uh, reporters beat writers um analysts what have you i mean yeah sure they're going to talk aditi's going to talk to the steelers and they're like yeah we love this guy we love this guy they're not going to say oh we hate this guy <laughs> you know what i mean they're they're yeah. really not going to say that but everybody has an opinion on what the steelers need because they know the steelers need a quarterback and they're go everybody's Every time there's somebody to talk about, the Steelers are on that list when it's quarterback. And we yeah. know in Pittsburgh, we know more of the trends of what they do. Right. That's what I was just going to say is that we, we know Kevin Colbert is still running the offseason and that unless he becomes bizarro Kevin Colbert, uh, he's not going to deviate too far. He's got more, more money to spend, but he's not going to spend it lavishly and recklessly. He's not going to be the Browns uh, from a couple years ago when they were signing every top shelf free agent. That's just not his, his way of doing things. I think he's going to target a few guys that he really likes and he'll probably try to go aggressively after those guys. Uh, and the Steelers will give out more free agent money than they ever have in a single contract before, but that's only because that, you know, they, their biggest contract in the, in, 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 in the history of their free agency is like $25 million. So it's a low bar to clear. But, um, you know, they're not, I, I will, I, if I'm shocked by anything this off season, it will be if the Steelers wildly deviate from, from their approach, deviate some, yes. Uh, but I, I can't expect this to, to look drastically different from other off seasons. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. Another thing I'm going to say is I remember two years ago, where we're like, ah, we're not doing any, this team's not doing anything in free agency. And I brought up a guy that I thought the Steelers would be a perfect fit for the Steelers that no, not a lot of people were talking about. And I'm thinking this team needs to sign a Stefan Wisniewski. And I got attacked with what money? And I would get mad. I'd be like, look, if anybody's going to find money under the couch cushions, it's Omar Khan and Kevin Colbert. And everyone's like, well, they're doing nothing in free agency. You might as well not even report it on it. Well, first day of free agency, the Steelers get Derek Watt and they get Stefan Wisniewski. The next day, they not only bring in Eric Ebron free agency, which 
of course they made some news i mean they made some moves ramon foster retires uh, and then then they're trading for chris wormley so when we thought they were going to do nothing they brought four guys in so these guys have a job to do and they find ways to do their job and we're going to guess that they're going to do nothing well everybody was pleasantly surprised because this team made news and moves and nobody expected expected this team to do any whatsoever now they've got money under the cap they've got about 29 28 29 million now they've got an opportunity to uh bring some guys in but they're not going to go crazy like you just said they're not the cleveland browns and guess what the cleveland browns won the offseason last year they didn't make the postseason they right. won the offseason the year before. They brought in OBJ and they brought in some other guys. Right. They didn't get past, so they, yeah. past round two. Right. We, we can't forget that Kevin Col- uh, Colbert's philosophy has always been to build through the draft. And, and while he will have more money in free agency this year and they will you know, maybe make a splash move or two and, and maybe be a little more aggressive than they have been, that doesn't change the fact that his core philosophy still revolves around the draft. And that that's really where I still think that they're going to try to make their biggest mark. Yes, 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 yes. Well, we're going to try to answer some of these questions next week. Kevin, I want to thank you so much for your insight on the wide receivers and the quarterback position as well. Can't wait to discuss all of this with you next week. Hopefully we've got some breaking news and we've got the great, we're going to have the great time slot to do it. So with that being said, check us out next week and check out Let's Ride tomorrow morning. Check out Let's Ride on Monday morning as well. With right now, there could be a fantastic special guest, a ghost of Steelers past that we would love to be talking about. I'm just going to say tune in right now. It's on the schedule and we're hoping that that uh, continues to uh, come into fruition. So, Kevin, thanks so much again. Yeah, it was great. And uh, buckle up, everybody, because it's going to be a really interesting ride from for the next couple of months. You got it. For Kevin Smith, I'm Brian Anthony Davis. We ask you to do three things. Be safe, be true to yourself, and always be behind the steel curtain. And keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the hypocycloids. Hypocycloids.